are reading from a letter to the Hebrews. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, who was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he said also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications, with loud cries and tears, to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he was became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Having been designated by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The word of the Lord. Then Jesus 
baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When, when the other ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave to all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for him. The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> 
cozying up to Jesus in a bubble power play the best seats in heaven. Rabbi, they say, would you grant us a favor? Would you honor us in eternity with the best seats in heaven? The seats on either side of you in glory? Jesus, of course, reminds them that the privilege that they seek is not his to give, but God's honor to grant. And I have to think that those 70 boys were pretty disappointed at this response. Can't you just see them sort of slumping back to the pack, a little grumpy, and get one more evasive sort of non-answer from the teacher? And of course, their grumbling is not the only disgruntlement in the community this morning, is it? The other disciples were not very happy with John and Jimmy's little power play, were they? As I said, this is one of those stories that allows you and me to pat each other on our collective back. Just imagine all that politicking and power plays and bickering among members within the church. Folks were pretty unloving in the church back in the day, weren't they? Power grabs, backbiting, just imagine. Aren't you glad that we have progressed beyond that? <laughs> anyway, in response to all their bickering about who is the best and who should be honored, Jesus reminds this band of disciples that unlike the rulers who lord their power over others, we disciples get our greatness from serving others. As I mentioned earlier, I always love the chance to preach on the holiness of living not to be served, but to serve, particularly as a deacon. See, the word deacon comes from the Greek word diakonia, or service, literally. World, World Council of Churches defines diakonia as as a service performed by all Christians in response to the needs of other people. Going on to note that this responsibility of service is rooted in and modeled on Christ's service to others. Very often when we think of the diaconia in the church, we think of those first church folk who were specifically titled deacons, those members of the early church who were charged with distributing food and other services to the widow and the orphan. But the New Testament understanding of diaconia also points back to our Old Testament heritage, to the prophets of Judah and Israel speaking out as advocates for the widows and the orphans, speaking out against the high and mighty using the privilege of their status and power to oppress and marginalize the vulnerable. That prophecy, that prophecy, that speaking out against that oppression, that too is diaconia. In our Episcopal tradition, those of us who are ordained as deacons are called to be reminders to the church of all of our collective responsibility to serve and defend the least and the lost, the outlaw and the outcast. The deacon in our liturgy, by proclaiming the gospel, by setting the table, by clearing the table after our meal, and dismissing us out into the streets, the deacon reminds the church that diaconia is the work of all of us in the church. As Jesus tells his disciples, in the church, greatness comes from living not to be served, but to serve. And at this point in my sermon, if you indulge me, I have to give a special apology to my sisters and brothers Christ, who are members of the DYC. See, this message of serving rather than being served is a message they already remind each other of all the time. 
are planning for retreats, their mantra is, it's not about us. It's about our retreats. It's about our guests. Of course, this, this notion of humility is, as a sign of greatness is radically counter to the prevailing culture's sense of greatness. We might, we might admire the humble, but the truly great ones in our culture, the ones truly celebrated, they're the boldest and the strongest and the loudest, they're the richest, the one with the longest resume and the most political connections, the ones with the highest test scores, the most followers. But as God reminds us, through the book of Job this morning, humility is our proper posture, particularly in relation to our Creator and to God's beloved. God dramatically interrupts all of Job's friends and their theologizing. He first, God bursts in, who is this offering counsel with words lacking knowledge? He goes on to ask, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you know. Where were we? As I said, we deacons are to be a reminder to the church of the call we all have to humility and service. But don't let the soul fool you. I might be a symbol, but I am hardly a paragon. I can get pretty high and mighty myself from time to time. I have way too many moments when I assert that my needs are the most important of the moment. My needs are more important than those of my neighbors. Too many actions that put my desires above the needs of the common good. By putting myself first, I end up last in my value to others. As I mentioned earlier, Christ's countercultural call to serve rather than being served is, is something that is very much a part of the culture within DYC. This year, for example, the members of the DYC are taking a huge diaconal move by adjusting the music they will be using it for worship services for our, their retreats. See, they're doing so, they're changing up the music to make the music and therefore the retreats more accessible to a wider range of participants who come to retreats. Even though they know that it means that the DY member, DYC members themselves may not get to sing some of their favorite songs. They are seeking to serve not be served. As the ones planning the retreats, the DYC could certainly use their privilege, the privilege of their position, to sing only their favorite songs over and over. But instead, in order to be great retreat leaders, they must seek to serve the retreatants, the guests, rather than lording their privilege over them. The sons of Zebedee try to push and shove and elbow their way to the seats of high honor. The young women and men of the diocesan youth council seek to serve rather than be served. Imagine your office in this other way than the way of greatness. Imagine if seeking to serve were the norm in our schools. Imagine what driving route two would look like <laughs> if folks sought to yield rather than take the right way. Imagine a church whose focus is seeking and serving Christ and others rather than seeking our own comfort and pleasure. Imagine this nation if we recognize that our great power and privilege and wealth is 
It's not our birthright that these things are God-given resources to be used in the service of others. Imagine that kind of <coughs> That's the world that your diocesan youth council is trying to build for their retreat. That's the world that we as a church are called to pursue day by day. Glory is majesty. 
even Jesus Christ, our only mediator and advocate. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor.
three weeks away as of yesterday. And we still need people to volunteer to help staff the tables at the fair and to uh, take uh, to help people with packages to take out to their cars and to also be prepared in another week or so to carry all of the items that are in the Undercroft Chapel up to the to the parish hall and uh, Undercroft. And also, which he will be needed the day before the Saturday, which is November 3rd, in order to uh, carry the items back from Lincoln that we had stored there. So please see my sister Cheryl, who will be here. I'm alone today, and I'll be quickly to go to do my service. But I would ask you to think about what you could do to help the fair. There are many other uh, ways that you can help them when I'm outlined here, and she'll be glad to talk with you about them. Thank you. Also, if you can't find Carol or Cheryl um, to sign up, there is now a sign-up sheet on the window of opportunity to sign up. I just want to say, today now, finally we have space and we are dying to have your books, your, your, your novels, your mysteries, your children's books. Please bring them to us right now. We want to have a big fair with lots of books. Thank you. There's just been one note that if you don't want people to say they bought this book at church, don't donate. <laughs> So you can see we're very busy. We have a lot going on. Announcements, announcements in here, things going on that have been announced in the window. In order for all of that stuff to continue to happen, you need to pledge to your church. Next week we will have In Gathering Sunday, in which you will be invited to read your pledge card forward, put it into a basket. If you've already pledged online or if you've already sent in your, uh, sent in your thing, um, send in your card. We'll have some blank index cards that you can just put a little prayer on so that you feel like you're contributing as well to this um, representation of how we are all in this together. So if you have not pledged, please, this is the week to pray about it and bring your card on Sunday. Thank you. Last bit. Uh, DYC members are sitting all among you because they wanted to be integrated into the congregation, but they're singing to us at communion. So now would be the time, DYC members, for you to relocate yourselves to the three pews near the piano over here so you can sing to us at communion and hear each other. Thank you. And while they're doing that, let us walk along. Christ loves us and gives himself always.
Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week he overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels of all the company of heaven, who forever seek his gift and proclaim the glory of
congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts that those who you know may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you this day and always. 